The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that's 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We would love for you to follow us on social media. We are at No Nonsense Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. We would also love for you to leave a rating and review if you're listening to the show on iTunes. But whatever platform you're listening on, we would love for you to follow or subscribe, whichever one of those two applies to your specific platform. We've got a great show today. We're going to be looking ahead to the next week, the last week, of Titans training camp practices where they will have joint practices against the reigning Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. We will also we will also be looking ahead to the Titans second preseason game against the Patriots and looking back a little bit at the Titans preseason opener last week against the Philadelphia Eagles. But let's start off with the big news of the day. We're recording on Tuesday. This episode is out on excuse me, recording on Monday. Episodes out on Tuesday. And today uh, rookie receiver for the Titans, A.J. Brown, returned to team drills for the first time of all of training camp. He has not participated in team drills at all in training camp. So, guys, just kind of initial thoughts on what that means, even though he was limited today. Yeah, I mean, I, I really I wasn't out there, so I couldn't see what, what he did and how he looked. But I, I think this has been a pretty quick quick recovery, I'd say. For the most part, at least quicker than Corey Davis when he was dealing with that hamstring injury uh, back during his rookie season. So I'm glad he's back out there. We'll see if he gets in shape and can play maybe in the third preseason game. I think that would be that would be really good just for him to get some reps uh, with the first team or, or second second string offense and get a little bit of timing with Mariota or Tannehill. Yeah, uh, we've talked about it before, but it's really important for him to get back either this week or next week to be fully like considered to be a starter because M- Mariota is a pure chemistry thrower. I don't know if that's a term that's thrown around a lot, but he just has to know 
you know, whether it's Corey Davis or Adam Humphreys or Delaney Walker, whoever, he's got to have a lot of reps with the guy to really understand exactly how they're going to run their routes. And when he does have that confidence and that chemistry with somebody, he's always really good. So, I mean, you really want A.J. Brown to get back as soon as possible, not not only because he's a rookie, but just to build that chemistry. So, I mean, it, it's it's great that he's out there. You know, he's been taking reps with the ones. That's That's all good news. Now we just have to see, you know, can he go two or three practices in a row without hurting his hamstring? Because, I mean, this was an issue back in OTAs, and it was an issue the first day of practice. Like, I don't, I don't doubt that his mind's right. I don't doubt his athletic ability. But, but at a certain point, I just have to see a guy continuously be on the field before I'm super confident. And I'm glad both of you brought up the issue that a hamstring injury is. Matias, you, you mentioned Corey Davis, his rookie season, having to deal with that pretty much all year. Prior to today, we really didn't know what the issue was for sure with A.J. Brown. We thought it might have been a hamstring. There was a, a video that several people had of the of the injury, but Mike Vrabel did indicate today that it was a, a pulled hamstring that Brown suffered. And unlike a knee or a, you know, a broken arm or something like that where once it's healed and once you get the confidence back, you're kind of good to go, hamstring injuries, as we know, tend to linger like it did with Corey Davis his rookie season. So how much should the Titans continue to keep an eye on this? Yeah, it's not that a hamstring pull is is worse than like a broken leg or a torn ACL. It's just that they're so unpredictable. Yeah, and they're very unpredictable. And it really depends on the player, the human being, because they're not the same. None of them are. Uh, they're different degrees of tears and and... In, in addition to that, what, when you tear something, the other muscles around the area start working overtime, kind of, and it, the, the, it's just like a whole, you know, system of, of muscles working together, and sometimes it can lead to more injuries. So hopefully uh, th- this doesn't happen, and, and he doesn't get other small tears and other muscles around the area. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem because he, like I said, he, he came back sooner than maybe we expected, so... That's good, uh, but they do have to monitor him, and I think they will, especially since Humphreys is now in, and they have confidence in Tajay Sharp. Khalif Raymond is kind of coming on, and although Taewon had a really bad first game, uh, I'm, I, I feel like they still have confident, confidence in him uh, to put him out there until A.J. Brown is ready. Uh, one, one thing that kind of should be noted is uh, Jarrell Casey missed practice today, a day after being taken off the pup list. They they didn't do that kind of thing with AJ Brown. You know, he didn't get a day off immediately after coming out there. They actually upped his workload. So I think you have to think of that as a positive sign. Is they don't think that there's any sort of lasting issue that they should worry about. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But it is kind of noteworthy that you know, Jarrell Casey goes a day of practice, a day off, and I mean he is a veteran. But at the same time, it's like if you think that Vrabel's kind of idea of how to treat injuries is different now than it was last year. It would make sense for him to give Brown the day off if he was even a little bit tight. So I, I think that's good news. We'll see kind of how that plays out throughout the week, but it's definitely not bad news. Now, Matias, you mentioned the idea of maybe Brown getting to play a, a preseason game, and he was asked about that today, and he was very noncommittal, said that that's still a variable decision, still needs to be worked out. And, and he is still, as we're recording this, uh, designated as a limited practicer. If this was the regular season, he would be listed on the injury report as being limited in his participation. 
we talked some last week about is the preseason worth it. We were actually going to try to get Will Compton on the show this week. It didn't work out. We're going to try again next week to get him on to have that discussion. Corey Davis didn't play in the preseason as a rookie. Arguably, that hurt his rookie season. All of this to say, do you push A.J. Brown to play a preseason game? Obviously, you don't do it if he's not ready. But even if he is ready, in your opinion, do you let him run out there or do you just say, no, we're going to hold him back and save him for Cleveland? I don't know. I I mean, if if he gets the all clear from the doctors and he feels good, I mean, I know the player's always going to say that he feels good and he's ready. But if everything checks out, I think you run him out there for a couple of series, especially in that third preseason game. I, I wouldn't risk him in, in the fourth preseason game where, where no one really plays, no starters play. But, you know, like I said, all of these hamstring injuries are different. Odell Beckham, I don't know if you remember his rookie season. I think he had like two hamstring injuries, one on both legs, but both legs. And uh, he missed like the first four weeks of the season. And then he absolutely just went nuts in his rookie season. I'm not saying A.J. Brown is Odell Beckham. Beckham's a generational talent. But it's just that these injuries can be so different. And sometimes they need to be taken care of and you need to be extra cautious. But sometimes you can come back and, you know, just start playing normally. But I I think the fact that he's a rookie kind of makes me – want him want him out there because he needs to get used to the speed of the NFL and you really can't do that in practice it needs to be in a game situation so like I said if everything checks out and he's medically cleared and he looks good in practices he looks like he's going 100 percent I say sure trot him out there for a couple of years in that third preseason game yeah I go back and forth because he needs chemistry that's very important timing is very important depth and routes is very important but at the same time, that's really not where A.J. Brown has to win. Like, all he has to do is really, like, find ways to get open immediately, catch the ball, and then let his athleticism do the work for him. And I don't think it'll necessarily be an instant transition or anything like that. But, I mean, how much do you need to practice that, really? You know, it's like if you can get a guy – you know, it's not like he ran bad routes in college. who's a good route runner. You know, the fact that he knew how to use his body to shield – defenders from the ball is huge you you don't have to relearn that at the nfl level like leverage is leverage all he really has to understand is like the contact may come a little quicker and he's not going to get as many free releases but you know so much and i don't i don't want to get ahead of ourselves if we're going to talk about this i don't know but so much of this is how well can smith kind of scheme this whole thing out and based off what we saw in the preseason game at least the first one he understands how to get guys in space. You know, with Khalif Raymond, he did that. He did it with a bunch of different guys who don't necessarily stand a great chance of making the roster. But, I mean, he made good, you know, good to average defensive backs for the the Eagles look, you know, mediocre or just outright bad. So, I don't know. Like, I don't think from a pure like transition standpoint, he needs it. The only reason I would do it is just to get him reps with Mariota, which means that you can't really play him in the fourth preseason game because hopefully you're not playing Mariota. So it would mean, do you rush him back and try to get him on the field in the third preseason game? So like I said, I go back and forth on it, but there's definitely arguments for both sides. I think it's more of just how, how willing are you to kind of roll the dice and say like, okay, if we play him on 15 snaps in week three and he injures himself, is the risk reward worth it? And Will, I'm glad you bring up that point about 
is it worth it, if, especially if Mariota's not the guy at quarterback? Do you think there is a value in him playing in the preseason aside from just developing that chemistry? Because I do agree with you that if there is no value aside from that, then there's no point in playing him with Tannehill or Logan Woodside. Yeah, I mean, there, there is in that, okay, if you, if you run a route like this in practice and you run a route like this in the game, that's great. But some guys respond differently to press coverage. They respond differently to off coverage. And, you know, Arthur Smith's going to want things very precise. So, you know, does he want to see if this guy can, you know, run the same route against press coverage that he does against off? Like I said, you know, does he do things consistently? Because if he does, then really there's no reason to not start him because he's shown every other aspect of the game in college. It's just can he deal with the different styles of coverage and can he play against NFL talent? So, I mean, if you're confident, you know, like let's say you just really play him hard and practiced against Malcolm Butler and you say, okay, you know, he's going to press you off the line. He's going to mix up his coverage and this and another. If you feel confident in that, I don't really see a bunch of, you know, I, I don't see a reason to play him. But, you know, like I said, that that's up to Arthur Smith and the the wide receiver coach will have to make that decision. But if it was, if it was me, I – really don't need to see that much from him. I think he can do what he needs to do based off just being healthy and what he showed in college. So I, I wouldn't play him. Yeah. I, I also think his game isn't really predicated on speed and, and you know, like agility. So I, I think maybe the hamstring injury won't, won't hamper him going into this season as, as it would maybe like a speedster like Taewon Taylor or like a Deshaun Jackson or that sort. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, by the way, because DK Metcalf was always the more vertical receiver in their offense, mm-hmm. and even like AJ Brown's long plays were like catching runs. Like yeah. Vanderbilt, he had something like an eighty-yard receiving touchdown, but seventy-five of it where it was like after the catch, like it was it was just him making you know a defender miss and then going. So you know he's more of a quick twitch, like change of direction kind of guy and, and using that kind of natural leverage. Like we talked about earlier with, you know, using his body to shield from defenders. Like that's where he wins. Like if you're looking for somebody to throw the ball deep to, you need to go to Corey Davis or put Taewon Taylor or somebody else out there. But like, if you, if you're looking for a guy to catch a ball, catch a slant at three yards and turn it into a 60 yard touchdown, then yeah, definitely target him. So, Next, what I want to talk about is somewhat on the same page and that we're going to stick with talking about Titans rookies, but we're going to talk about the group as a whole. Because when this Titans draft class was complete, there was a lot of rejoicing with the fact that unlike last year, they seemed to have a lot of depth. They made more than just four picks, which they made the year before, and obviously Luke Falk, the fourth of those picks, got cut. So they really only got three players out of last year's draft class. But slowly but surely, as training camp has started and the offseason has progressed, the Titans continue to lose some of these guys. Now, we knew Jeffrey Simmons wouldn't be able to go. That, that was a known thing when they drafted him. But DeAndre Walker has been placed on injured reserve. A.J. Brown has practiced once in training camp and probably will end training camp having not practiced fully at all. Um, DeAndre Walker has been placed on injured reserve. Did I already say that? Yes. Well, the list can continue beyond just him. <laughs> Nate Davis, the uh, the uh, right guard that they picked with the third with their third round draft pick, has been absent from practice for quite a while now with a mystery injury or ailment of some kind. 
Uh, the list just kind of goes on and on. And at this point, the only Titans rookies who have participated fully throughout training camp are safety Imani Hooker, who has looked really, really good, and linebacker David Long, who, though, Will, I know you think he played well in the preseason last week, he, he's probably nothing more than a special teams linebacker at this point in his career. Is all of that to ask, is that concerning? Because I think it is. Sure it is, because it seems to be becoming a trend that the Titans just can't, they can't have their rookies healthy and contributing in, in their first season. I mean, we talked about Corey Davis, and and now all these guys are injured. I, I know the Simmons one is, you know, that's kind of self-inflicted because he was already injured. Um, but these other guys, these, these soft tissue injuries, and, and Walker comes in with an injury and can't get right. Uh, and then we had the Kevin Dodd thing a couple years ago. It's just it seems like this this happens very often to the Titans, at least under the in, in the John Robinson era. It also, Rashawn Evans also had a hamstring injury. I'm pretty sure last season, and, and he was hampered by that. Oh right, right. What, yeah. <laughs> how how could I forget? Uh, but it seems like the Titans just have really bad luck with, with when it comes to rookies and. It sucks because this seemed like a draft class that was that was going to come in and maybe contribute right away. At least, at least Brown and Davis, they they you know they seemed like they were going to be starters, and now they're behind the eight ball to go along with Simmons and to go along with Walker, who who was slated to play at least a depth, maybe fourth or fifth outside linebacker role. So it's just more annoying than anything, and I bet Vrabel probably feels the same way. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about it. Um, this all, to me, goes back to drafting for need and drafting for value. So when you draft for need, you're drafting for, okay, I have X amount of snaps that need to be filled at this position. When you draft for value, you're saying, okay, I'm taking the best player that I can and who has the most upside and who will be you know, worth the most in terms of just pure value at his position later. It'll be interesting to see kind of how Simmons especially turns out because, I mean, I think I think Robinson does a great job drafting. Like, I think his strategy is sound and it makes sense. And you kind of roll the dice on those later guys like Jayon Brown and Kevin Byard. And, you know, when they pop, it's great. And when they don't, it's fine because you have safe, reliable, above-average guys that you took with your first two picks. So, um, no, I don't think it's flawed. I just think this is kind of an interesting case study. Matias, it's interesting that you bring up Rashawn Evans because I was talking to him last week about he, he had a very, pretty somewhat similar situation to this as well. You know, he missed virtually all of his rookie training camp, took a few games to kind of get his 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 land legs under him, but once he caught on, he was outstanding as a rookie. And I asked him, I said, you know, for a player who is in your position in that they miss all of training camp, but then they don't do what you did and have the great season. Can you connect those two things? Because we like to say that a lot with rookies who don't play well. It's like, well, they didn't go to training camp. And he told me, he said, no, it's not an excuse. And essentially indicated to me that, like, if you're not good as a rookie, it's not because you didn't have training camp. It might be, number one, that you're just not that good as a player. Or number two, you're not developing very quickly. And so... I just think it, it, at, hmm. at a certain point it can't become an excuse anymore based on what he told me because he's played the NFL. I haven't. <laughs> right, yeah. I think I think what he says matters more than, than what we say. It's a better perspective. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, I find that interesting because I mean, the first couple of weeks that that Evans played, he would. I'm gonna be honest, he wasn't very good. He he was, was struggling a little bit. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was bad. bad. He was but, a liability. Yeah, but once he got like a feel for the position, he just looked so much better, so much more comfortable. And you know, that's why that that's why that's why I say about Brown, I want him to get uh, some some game time in the preseason because I mean, I know they're two totally different positions, but I really feel like the speed and, and, and what defenses are going to throw at you and what you're going to see from scheme perspective. I, I think it, it's really important to get a, get a handle on that. And I mean, we'll see how AJ Brown starts off the season. I I don't, I really don't think they're going to, they're just going to throw him out into the starting lineup uh, to start the season. I, re, I really think Tajay is going to, going to be out there at least for the first, maybe quarter of the season, first four weeks. Although I did Tajay sharp play in this last yeah. game. Yeah, he did because I was I was gonna bring that up. Like he did play. He was like, a starter on offense. Yeah, he started, but Mario didn't ever look his way. He's like, a practice guy, man. He can't get separation in, in the in the NFL games. Like, I, don't, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, that was that was kind of the thing. Is everybody was talking about how tight the coverage was, and it was like I mean, you if you look at it, the coverage was tight, but it seemingly wasn't ever tight on Adam Humphreys. Like, mm-hmm. and I know there, there's different players covering different positions and this, that, and the other, but you know. I think Tajay Sharp is a guy who should feast off of, you know, I say feast, maybe that's too strong, who should make his living in the NFL off of the team's third best corner. Like, I think he can beat that guy and secure a bunch. I mean, he could have five receptions for, you know, 40 yards and not have any great plays, but kind of be a chain mover like everybody thinks Adam Humphreys will be. Whereas, you know, guys like A.J. Brown and Adam Humphreys have you know they could have a three catch for you know 85 yard stat line or they could have a 10 catch for you know 60 yard I mean they they could really do anything whereas I, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is you know I think Tajay is is fine like and, and I don't really know if this was what we were getting into but I think Tajay's fine but like you really want a guy like AJ Brown out there if you can even though you may have to roll him in early or like start a rotation early, I should say. I don't. I don't think Tajay can play on the boundary anymore. I, I don't think he's he's shown enough. See, um, I think that's the only place he can play. It's a good. Oh, thing really? they, it's a it's a good thing they have Taywan Taylor, who's so good at that. Oh my, God. that's right. Like, are we gonna talk I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I had to, I, and that was that yeah. was pretty brutal. I admit, but I mean, we haven't had a podcast since the the Titans. Uh, preseason opener and once the regular season starts we'll obviously be in the middle of the week instead of at the beginning but gosh it's just like that was the culmination of the first two years of Taewon Taylor's NFL career wasn't it yeah you know I'm trying to think of an analogy here I think I was going to go maybe to baseball to like maybe (laughs) a pitcher who's completely lost confidence in his fastball or something like that where he's just out there and like you start feeling bad for him because he just seems so lost and like he can't he's just so far into his own head that everything that he does is being like like meticulous thought about in his own head and then he goes out there and he just makes mistake after mistake after mistake and it's like there, there's no getting away from it. But see, and like when you when you bring that brutal. up, I think of a like a Matt Harvey, someone like that who you know oh at one point in his career <laughs> career commanded the fastball, and then as at the tail end of his Mets career, he was a totally useless pitcher. Went to the Reds, and now yeah. I believe is uh, 
actually just got released from whatever team he was on. I think maybe the uh, the Royals, perhaps. But here's the difference. Yeah, Taewon Taylor was never at the top of his game. He started at the bottom and somehow has gone further down. I he had one game last year that was productive, the Jets game. The Philly game, he was solid. But that, that's splitting hairs. Like It's like, was he good for one or two? Yeah, like, I mean, if you could put Tajay Sharp's hands on Taewon's body, you'd be fine. Like, if you, if you could combine the athleticism with the route running of both of those two players, you'd probably have A.J. Brown. But see, here's the which, thing. I think Taewon's problems go beyond just his hands. Because, like, it's not that he's a drop-prone player. It's that... He's never really put anything together. Like, we know he's fast, we know he's quick, and we know he's quote-unquote a good route runner. So why hasn't it ever worked before, and how come all of a sudden this drop problem has come up? Is it all of a sudden? I feel like well, it's been there since... Yeah, he like has had there. drops in the past, but I, <laughs> yeah. personally anyway, I've never thought of him as someone prone to to getting the yips and dropping the ball until this preseason game came up. I mean, no, he had it last year. Didn't he drop a couple of deep passes? See, that, well, I that's mean, what if I was you want to count the one against Miami, that was a tough one to bring down. But... The one against the Jets? Or you yeah, the so... No, 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 but... he, he was good. That was his one good game, right? Well, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. It was against the Eagles, I believe, right? No, 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 no. That was that was Darius Jennings. There were so many one. drops from yeah. every team. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I just thing, remember, is... I just remember walking out of the bathroom at the press box, and I just see the ball in the air, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, what did I miss?" And then I think it was Taewon. Ball just pops right off his chest, and it's like, "No, oh, that's Darius." No, this game was Jennings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not talking about uh, the one in overtime. But, well, there was there was one off Corey Davis's hands that just it was like just off his hands, and then he hit him again later. But when I, I was going to say, when I think about Taewon Taylor, I think of a guy who Mariota throws the ball too deep, and for whatever reason, they're like five yards in the different direction. It's like five yards ahead of him, or like he's having to adjust or whatever. But that very rarely happens to Corey Davis or Delaney Walker or anybody else, and. I think that's because Mariota expects him to run at a certain speed. And sometimes you'll see it. I think the Ravens game, there's a deep throw where it's still like 0-0 or the Titans are only at like three or seven points behind. And Mariota tries to target uh, Taewon deep. And like he just pulls up after he breaks out of his route. And then if he would have kept running full speed, it would have been like, a 70 yard touchdown. Yes. Like it would have been a huge play and it would have gotten the Titans back in it. And now all of a sudden you don't have a defense that can tee off and hit Mariota 10 times. And, you know, maybe that game goes a completely different direction, but you know, I don't know if it's inconsistent speed down the field. I don't know if it's, you know, he runs his route to get open, but not to the landmarks he's supposed to. I can't really speak to that because I don't know how they've taught him to run those, but it seems like more than any other starting receiver over the last three or four years that he just can't get in rhythm with Mariota deep. In fact, his one deep catch Mariota put it on the sideline in his hand. I mean, it was the perfect throw. You know, you talk about dropping it in the bucket. I mean, he dropped it to where Taewon didn't have to move. He didn't have a lot of room to run. Like he was on the sideline. So it's like, you can't overrun this. You've just got to get to this part of the sideline and start running up the sideline. And, 
you know, when he did that, Mariota hit him great. So it's to the point where, you know, you talked about it not being his hands. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a head thing. Like, maybe he's just, like, thinking about other things or, like, overthinking things or whatever. But, you know, Mariota never had this problem with Rashard Matthews, who, you know, we don't talk about a lot, but was pretty productive with Mariota over their time together. He's ne- He doesn't really have it with Corey Davis since his rookie year, and he's never had it with Delaney Walker. So it's like – there, there's a reason why that one of these things is not like the other and one of them isn't like getting better year in and year out. And it, the only common denominator is Taewon. Do you think that Khalif Raymond is right now a better wide receiver than Taewon Taylor? I mean, I, I don't know. If we're judging by the one preseason game that we've played, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes he is. Yeah, because I, mean, I, think, I think you nailed it on the head, Matias. It's time for them with Taewon Taylor to stop thinking about potential because at a certain point potential is what you haven't done right I once had someone tell me that when someone tells you you have potential they're actually insulting you because they're telling you you're not very good at whatever it is right now so that's Taewon at this point yeah but but the only reason I think that you kind of continue to cling on to it for as much as you can is because he's on a rookie contract that's relatively cheap and you can control him for the next two years uh, for not that much money. And, I mean, that potential is technically still there. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what you gain from cutting him, really, because at worst, he's your sixth receiver, right? So, I mean, that, that, it'd be okay to have him there. But I just I don't know how how they view him at, at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean— I mean, based off the one game we've really like, we've really paid attention to Khalif Raymond. He's miles better. I mean, Khalif Raymond had the best night of anybody on either side of the ball, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, on either team. So, yeah, like based off that, now, you know, we could see against the Patriots, Khalif Raymond could have three targets for twelve yards, and Taewon Taylor could have two catches for eighty yards, and then we could be, you know. On, on a completely different train. Like we could just be thinking about something else. So, you know, it's tough for just one game to kind of make that judgment. But I mean, if you're asking me, have, have we seen more from Khalif Raymond in the preseason than we have from Taiwan? Then yeah. So, you know, how many receivers are you going to keep is the question because it's, it's becomes a numbers well, I think game. It's six. It, it has to be six. Okay. So then it's like, we'll just do the quick math here. It's Corey, AJ Humphrey, Fries, Tajay, Darius Jennings, and Khalif Raymond, right? Like, based on what we've seen? That's what I, at this point, if they had to make the decision today, think it would be. Yeah, so, like, that's, like, that's the thing is, like, is, you know, Matias, you talked about, like, what's the, you know, downside of keeping him because he's your wide receiver six? Well, if you think Khalif Raymond is better, then he's your wide receiver seven. And, okay, if he's going to be your wide receiver seven, are you cutting Mikkel Pruitt or... um, Anthony Ferkser for him. Like if you're thinking of, you know, we're going to keep X amount of mm. pass catchers, it, you know, do you cut McNichols? Do you cut Fluellen? Like that, that's, that's kind of what he's competing against right now. And I don't think he gives you much on special teams. Like, I mean, I think they're going to give him a chance to return kicks and see what that's all about. But, you know, if he can't do that well, I, I don't, 
he might not even be active on game days. So it's like, do you give yourself somebody who could be active and play those special teams? Or do you just say he's too valuable to cut and you keep him and stash him on your roster? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of rethinking what I said now. Not it's even not, be I mean, worth it. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I think we'll it, this situation will become clearer over the next two or three weeks, certainly, because yeah, I think you've seen from our discussion, the three of us are sort of in the same place, but then at the same time, we're also struggling to get to a place. You know, it's just it's hard. I think, um, but we'll, yes. we'll move on to a new topic, okay. and that's. The, the Patriots are coming to town later on this week. They come on Wednesday and Thursday for joint practices and then Saturday evening for the Titans' home preseason opener at Nissan Stadium. Generally, guys, what are you looking forward to seeing, to hearing about from these joint practices? Me, I'm just excited to watch Tom Brady up close in person. That's going to be really, really cool, I think. But from a Titans perspective, I would probably say that I'm looking forward to watching the Titans offense go against a different defense and see if they can maybe do anything because they haven't done much of that, that being anything, in practice so far. Yeah, that's crazy timing that the Patriots, who need receiver help, are coming to town (laughs) and a highly touted prospect who plays for the Titans and isn't doing well might be on the trade block. Wow, that's crazy. Also, John Robinson and the Patriots go way back. That's weird. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking forward to because uh, like, I'm not at the practices, so I have nothing to see. But I would like Tom Brady, who is probably the best quarterback of all time, or, uh, at least by uh, you know production standpoint. No one's won six Super Bowls. I think just having him in, in the building, him talking to Mariota, and maybe Mariota taking some of his wisdom and some of his some of his advice. I, I think that that will really be helpful. I, I don't know how much it, it really matters, but it doesn't hurt to ever hear from one of the best to ever do it. Either if it's about coverages, about the way to play the position, what to do off the field. Uh, although hopefully Mariota doesn't go on Brady's nutrition plan. It seems a little, yeah. a little crazy, but um, I think Mariota gaining some of that knowledge w- will be will be really important, and also for Vrabel and Belichick who who also go way back. Uh, I, I I would love to to be a part of one of their conversations. Hopefully you can overhear them, <laughs> overhear one of their conversations while you're out there. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say that before you said it, but. I'm super interested to see what the coaches do. Like the most important thing that'll come out of this is the conversations John Robinson has with, you know, Nick Casario, whoever they're going to have run their, you know, player personnel this year with Nick Casario, probably leaving for the Texans next year. Uh, and then what the coaches say, because, you know, Dean Pease, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, you know, there's such a, I mean, I, I don't want to say there's like a connection or like a common thread between the three of them, but it's like they've obviously worked together forever. Like they they have, you know, relationships with each other, which Belichick has relationships with most people in the NFL at this point. But, you know, one, you know, one like, OK, if the if, you know, I need help this week and you see something, can you send me this? Or, you know, hey, would you mind when you're playing the Colts or when you're playing whoever to kind of write notes on this or what do you think about this guy I have? Do you think he's worth keeping? What do you see from him? You know, all these things that kind of we may never see like the direct result of, like we may never know, but like 
all, all the stuff I'll be paying attention to is, you know, the grainy Bigfoot like footage of, of like John Robinson talking to Bill Belichick in the corner and pointing at Taewon Taylor and like, you know, making some kind of hand gesture, like all this kind of like secret underground theory stuff that I'm always super into. Like I, I I'm excited to see the practices, but, but most important, I just don't want anybody to get hurt. Yeah. Is there any particular player group of players storyline maybe that you're looking to gain yeah. some more info on when the actual preseason game takes place? Mm, not not in terms of the game, but I I would like to see uh, how Corey Davis does against Stephen Gilmore in practices and maybe during the game. I don't know if I don't I don't know if Gilmore even played I don't know, in the first yeah, game. I don't know but... if either of them will play. Yeah, but I think that would be that's a really good matchup. It, it, one if they do go against each other in practice, Gilmore is really good. I, I mean, a lot of people think he, he's a little bit overrated just because he got a really big contract, but he he's one of the one of the few almost truly shut down corners in the NFL. And, and Corey Davis, we've seen how good he's been uh, this offseason and how good he was last year as the team's number one receiver. So I think that's something to pay attention to. I mean, for me, it's the de- it's the Titans' defensive line against the Patriots' offensive line. Mm. Dante Scarnecchia is, along with Mike Munchak, the like undisputed number one or one B kind of offensive line coach in the NFL. Like those guys are just different at what they do. Like they could take anybody and be better. You know, it doesn't matter if you give them an All Pro or just a regular guy off the street. They're gonna leave better than when you know they started being coached by those guys. So I'm really interested in see you know. Can if Cameron Wake plays, which he probably won't, it's like if he still beats he beats the Patriots guys like he always has. If Harold Landry plays, like what he does against that kind of talent again, and you know I don't I don't expect Jarrell Casey to play, but just kind of how the defensive line has evolved and kind of adapted in the second year of the whole Dean Pease defense, and if they can beat such a well coached, talented unit. Yeah. So. As, as we start to close out the show, I have two more topics I'd like us to discuss. Number one is something we, we talked about before we started the show, and that's every year it seems like Titans fans pick this one free agent player that's on the street during the season that anytime something goes bad, that player immediately becomes the would-be savior. Last year it was Des Bryant. Um, who do you guys think that guy is going to be? this year and I think Will you brought up before the show probably the correct answer yeah it's got to be Eric Berry like he's he's got everything you could want in a player you know he's former all pro super productive you know great off the field story everybody loves him you know played corner and safety in college like can do kind of everything you want him to do and like that uh, people people are gonna love him. Like people are gonna eat him up. And you know, as a former Tennessee ball myself, like I hope wherever he ends up this year, he's great and all uh, all that. I wish nothing but the best for him. I think he's a great guy. But you know, everybody is gonna say like, if you can just add that guy, you can find a spot for him on a defense. Or you know, it doesn't matter if he's not a starter. Like if he just comes in in these special packages, like people are you know, he'll revolutionize the team and. Whether that's true or not, I have no idea. Like I said, I don't want to come off like I'm doubting Eric Berry, but I mean, people are going to absolutely love him. My uh, my pick is uh, Nick Perry. 
who was the an edge for the Packers. Uh, he always seemed to struggle with injuries, and uh, given the tight ends depth at and overall talent level at edge i think he's a guy that that a lot of fans are going to start clamoring for especially uh since walker is now on ir nick perry honestly he's not very good but he had, he had a couple seasons he had one with 11 sacks three years ago and then one with seven sacks then last year he did absolutely nothing and, and got injured yet again but i feel like he's a guy just because there really aren't that many edges out there available in free agency he's a guy that, that a lot of titans fans will pinpoint and, and think he'll probably offer uh that edge group at least depth and a little bit of talent which they might not be wrong i really it wouldn't be the worst signing I think it's definitely going to be the guy that we're trying to get on the show for next week, and that is Will Compton. <laughs> I mean, think about it. He hosts the podcast, Bussin' with the Boys, along with Taylor Lewan, so he, he's always in the public eye. There's a reason that people like us want him to come on and talk football because he's intelligent and entertaining. Um, and just because he is in the public eye and people remember how much fun he was in the locker room last year, he's going to be the guy that if anything goes wrong on defense – it's going to be, well, you guys should have kept Compton. You need to bring Compton back. I can, I can see it now. Did we ever get, like, a clarification or, like, an explanation for why he wasn't re-signed? Because, I mean, he was fine last year, and he he was a decent special teamer. And with Riley Bolo now, he who got waived, injured, and, and Darren Bates, who who's really a, a pure special teams guy, he, he really hasn't offered anything when he's been on the field in, in, in a pure linebacking capacity, I, I, I'm surprised that Compton hasn't been brought back. Yeah, did he I, lead? I think, did he lead the Titans in special teams tackles? Am I he might have. He, he might have. have. Yeah, um, I think he did. I, th- I think that Darren Bates replaces Compton probably in that that special teams exclusive role, and I think they wanted to get younger, which is why they drafted David Long. Yeah, now, I was trying to chart out the 53 man roster last week. I, I showed you guys. Uh, what I had, and this was before the Bullo injury because I'm working toward being able to put out a projection after the second preseason game. And before Bullo was hurt, I still didn't have him on my 53-man roster. And even if they had Compton, I still think that they would probably keep Long and Bates over him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't know if that's what I would do, but but I agree. Even if they do bring Compton in, uh, I, don't, I don't think he's assured a roster spot in any capacity. I mean, I, I don't know. Although I, I hope I'm so, very... since he's coming on the podcast next week, definitely be on <laughs> yes. the roster. Yeah. Also, yeah, we should, we should say we all love Will Compton. Um, I've I've always, I mean, I didn't think he was anything, you know, spectacular on defense, like when he was like starting on the field. But I mean, you would always see fifty-one somewhere. So you know, there, there's a reason why like that stuck out. Like, I mean, he was a. a I, I never thought he was a big, big issue, especially on special teams. He always seemed pretty reliable. And, you know, he he and Taylor Lewan, for whatever reason, like everybody got on board of the whole like for the boys thing. And, you know, that all the people that, you know, go on that podcast are still super into it. And it obviously left, left a lasting impression. So, I mean, having a guy like that in your locker room is never a bad thing. And if he can produce and find a way to get active on the roster, which he can through special teams – I don't know why he's not signed somewhere. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, your starter on defense for 100% of the snaps. But, I mean, in, you know, kind of heavy formations and as a special teams player, there's definitely a spot on the field for him. It's 
not like he doesn't know what he's doing out there. Yeah, I, I mean, f- for for a position that that is going to play primarily special teams, what do you want a guy that has that fire, that has that personality, and, and just get that extra oomph in in your locker room? You know, that, I, I I don't know. It, it seems like that's what I would want if I if I were building the team. Well, let me let me say this. You know, if there's a place for Vontez Perfect on a team. <laughs> There's a place for Will Compton. Like, there is no way a team should roster Vontez Perfect over Will Compton. Like, they don't like, he's not even, it, they're just not, it doesn't make any sense. Like, Will Compton does what Vontez Perfect does, except he does it better and he doesn't get the late flags and unnecessary roughness. Yeah. So, we're going to close out the show as we do every single time with our Stop the Nonsense segment. We've been getting some some recommendations on Twitter, and we love to see those. Keep sending us recommendations using the hashtag Stop the Nonsense. Again, we're at No Nonsense Pod on Twitter. And what we do in this segment is we take a look at the worst takes we've seen on the internet regarding the Tennessee Titans in the last week. However, I'm going to break form a little bit and just comment on some general nonsense issues in the NFL. Uh, I don't have a Titans take for you this week, but I do want to talk briefly about two nonsense things that have happened in the NFL. Number one, the Antonio Brown situation. Oh my goodness, this dude. I've never met him, so I'm not going to comment on who he is or his character or his mental state. I'm just going to say that the things he does indicate that he is crazy. I'm not going to say he's crazy, just that the things he does indicate he is crazy. <laughs> The no, he's definitely. He's, he's, he's crazy. The, the, the frostbite, <laughs> the pitching a fit about the helmet. I mean, and this goes all the way back to last year with Pittsburgh. And it's just like, when is this going to end? And I don't know that he's winning any of this stuff. I mean, he went from the top-notch organization of the NFL, arguably, the Steelers, and has gone to Chucky Gruden's Raiders, who are probably going to win about five games this year. It just, it's mind-boggling. And then the other area of nonsense in the NFL this week, which just came out today, is according to Jane Slater of NFL Network, Dak Prescott wants $40 million a year. Aaron Rodgers doesn't even make that much money, who just got paid last year. You can't reset the market if you're not nearly as good as someone who just reset the market. It's not happening. Jerry Jones, as weird as he is, Will not give Dak Prescott forty million dollars as he should it. It's that that's asinine if that's true. I don't think it's true, and I don't think anyone nor, deserves nor, forty million dollars. Because Chris Mortensen <laughs> tweeted out something about how that should be taken with more context, and it has to do with more than just an overall you know annual number. But Dak Prescott cannot succeed without Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. I don't, I'm not advocating for him to take a, a hometown deal, but if that's true, good, just gracious. I'm I'm curious to see if, if Dak gets forty million dollars or close to that. What is Mahomes going to get? Fifty million dollars. Four hundred million dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Like there's there's no way he doesn't. I mean, Dak Prescott isn't terrible, but if you think he's better than Mariota, like. It's because you have bias one way or another. Like there is no way you can look at. Didn't it. we take him? I was about to say, didn't we? We took him over Mariota in our first yeah, episode. Yeah, y'all, oh, y'all did, y'all did, but y'all wrong. So my stop the nonsense this week is, uh, you know, it was tough to pick 
but I, of course, had to focus on the Mariota Tannehill debate, which has been rampant ever since Tannehill, who is what? How many years has he been in the league? Like six, seven? Ever since a veteran who who has started pretty much every year of his career went up against second stringers and looked fantastic. I will say he did look really good. He was very calm in the pocket, delivered the ball uh, very well. And and I'm glad that he's our backup because he looks infinitely better than Blaine Gabbert and Matt Castle. But people are already, already calling for him to be the starter over Mariota. And one of those people is Chris Sims, who is a notorious Mariota hater. And he tweeted, Mariota versus Tannehill, one of the most intriguing quarterback situations in the league. Both guys have the same skill set, except I think Tannehill has a slight advantage in all those skills. Plus, he plays the position better, which I don't know what that means. And then he, <laughs> follow, he followed up with, Tannehill is a better thrower and a better passer and every bit as good of an athlete. That last one, that last sentence is just absolutely, I, I don't even want to pay attention to it because that's not true. Mariota's one maybe like a top five athlete at the position and Tannehill sure he was a receiver back in the day but he's not even close to the athlete that Mariota is also Tannehill is not a better thrower or better passer than Mariota just because sometimes uh, maybe it looks better all right let me read you some stats so no, no fake stats nothing like adjusted oh, completion no adjusted completion percentage all the stats <laughs> Completion percentage, Mariota better. Touchdown percentage, Mariota better. Uh, inter- interception percentage, sh- same, 2.6. Adjusted yards per attempt, Mariota better. Yards oh, per- here they come. Mariota better. <laughs> you be rating Mariota better. So I don't know what his qualifications for Tannehill's a better thrower or passer other than the ball maybe looks better coming out of his hand. I don't, I don't know where Chris Sims is getting that from, but it's just not true. If, if we can't come up with an idea for content for next week's episode, we're just going to, for an hour, have a debate, Mariota versus Tannehill. It'll I'm, be a short. I'm totally kidding about that. That'll be right after <laughs> we have the LeBron versus Michael Jordan debate on this show. Uh, yeah. So, Mariota, better QB wins percentage than Tannehill also. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's stat. favorite stat, quarterback wins. Yo, yeah. I hate to throw one it's, in there. It's crazy. Like, I, I I don't want to get too off into this debate. It's it's just stupid that I mean that's that's what it is. It's stupid that people are you know forcing I guess the people that actually watch the Titans to come out and say look no like Tannehill is not going to start nor should he start. He's a backup. It's good that you know he led the second team offense against their second and third team defense and scored points like that's what you want your backup quarterback to do in the preseason. Like that's that's what. Mm-hmm. He should do, but it's apples to oranges to compare the Philadelphia starting defense, which Mariota carved up last year, to the preseason defense, which wasn't only the second team. It was the second team after the starters had already been taken out of the first team. So if that makes any sense. So you're dealing with third stringers and guys who you're starting to be concerned might not make the roster in the second quarter. So it's just... It's just foolish. Like, it's just a bad take. All right, Will, what do you got? So, uh, mine is an actual tweet. So, uh, this came out because, you know, Logan Ryan is a great corner. We, I think we all agree that he's one of the best slot corners in the NFL. Yeah, he's great. He's got, 
yeah, he's got some issues on the outside, like just in terms of top end speed, but still like he's, he's one of the better at the very least he's an above average corner outside. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm minding my business talking about how good Logan Ryan has been. And somebody sends me a, a, a I can't read the tweet because it's, it's like, you know, not peach. It's rated R. It's a lot of cuss words. So, um, it's just about how like he's been a New England fan forever and how he's seen Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler and how they suck and how, you know, they sucked when they were with the Patriots and they suck, you know, now, I guess. Not sure that he's ever seen the Titans game, but whatever. So I didn't really pay attention to this. And then I saw this other tweet, which apparently means that people think that Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler are like complete trash. So this one's from uh, Colby Squan. I don't know if that's his his uh, little handle is Darnold Sizen, so uh, <laughs> you can follow you can find him on Twitter I guess if you want to I don't know why you would. Um, it says number one Belichick signs said terrible cornerback. Number two terrible cornerback wins a Super Bowl and it's basically the playoffs MVP. It, again I'm reading this verbatim. Three terrible cornerback signs with the Tennessee Titans. Four repeat. So okay. Not only did Malcolm Butler actually win the Patriots the Super Bowl, like it wasn't Tom Brady that won that Super Bowl, it was Malcolm Butler picking off Russell Wilson after a stupid play call. Like they they have nobody to thank but you know Malcolm Butler. But Logan Ryan has shut down, especially with the Patriots, shut down some of the best wide receivers in the NFL week in and week out. He's been outstanding since he came to Tennessee. He was almost a Pro Bowler or an All Pro one year. So this weird theory that. Because I guess somebody has said it before that New England Patriots that go to Tennessee don't do well because somebody like in the national media, I'm sure, tweeted that after watching 30 seconds of a Titans game. That this idea that, oh, it's, it's super funny, like the Titans only sign uh, expatriates and, you know, they're not very good when they get there. That's stupid. Like, if you're still confused about Malcolm Butler, I understand that. Like, Malcolm Butler had a really tough first half of the season, he rebounded well. He did what he was supposed to do. He took the ball away. It just kind of got lost in the fact that, you know, the Titans were on this crazy run where Derrick Henry was running over everybody and where Mariota got hurt. He wasn't the number one story. He should have gotten more attention. But to think that Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan have been actively bad or that, you know, they're not miles ahead of the Parrish Cox, Valentino Blake kind of combination that we've had in the past is beyond asinine. It's just, I mean, like, like I said before, it's just stupid. Yeah, I don't think Titans fans remember what we had to go through all those years in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, some of the most brutal defense we've ever seen. And, and by it was the way, just last week we had the discussion about Valentino yeah, like, Blake. It's like I, I really hate these people that like never didn't realize the kind of like defensive potential we wasted in like Jarrell Casey earlier in his career, Carl Klug, uh, Derek Morgan when he was younger and healthier, like. All these guys came in, and if not for one of the worst secondaries in the NFL year in and year out, they could have had much, much better careers. And luckily for Casey, you know, he's still young enough to where he can make an impact, and he's already gotten recognized. But, I mean, cornerbacks have ruined this defense for, you know, half a decade, and now that it looks good, people are ready to throw the corners underneath the bus. It's it's crazy to me. It's well, weird. That- 
yeah, uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we will be back to recap the Patriots preseason game. We'll look ahead to game three against Pittsburgh. We'll hopefully have Will Compton joining us. We're going to hope that that works out. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, for Matthias Wadman, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Warsh, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.